Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 46 of the In the 11 podcast hosted by myself, Brendan Griffiths. And this is the podcast where we highlight the stories and journeys of those in the football world to truly get to the bottom of what it takes to be in the 11. Today's guest is, I believe, the first goalkeeper that we've had on the podcast, actually. And beyond that, he is a former teammate of mine from college, one of my very good friends, someone who I hold near and dear to my heart, Sergio Hernandez. All right, everybody, we are joined by my good friend and former teammate, Sergio Hernandez, hopping into the uh, 11 this week, all the way across the pond over in Portugal. Sergio, how are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good, enjoying life. Nice warm, warm winter so far, warm fall. So, yeah, doing well. Good man, good. So let's let's dive into it a little bit. For as I mentioned at the top here, Sergio was a teammate of mine, a goalkeeper at Chestnut Hill College where I played, and he played for almost his four years before COVID kind of threw a wrench in that one for him. But leading up to us meeting, our stories kind of converging. Talk to me a little bit about growing up, your youth soccer career, you know, where did you play? I know you have a huge family history with the game, so kind of paint the picture for the listeners a little bit here. Yeah, so I, I grew up Westchester, New York, just outside of New York City. Played with this club, played with a couple of clubs until I was like 13, and then I got settled with one club, Westchester Flames who have a USL League 2 team and everything. So that's the, the goal of everybody trying to get through the, the teams, trying to get to the USL 2 team. Yeah, I trained there, played there until I got, got to the college level. Of course, I trained with my – I have three other brothers. All three played at different levels. Some stopped earlier than others, but I uh, got to, to train with my brothers at a decent level my whole entire life. A lot of my passion grows from them and a lot of the help that I get throughout – growing through college and now where I am, it definitely comes from my brothers uh, and the experiences I grew up with uh, soccer at, at a young age and now into, into where I am today. I have to imagine that as helpful as it was growing up with all those brothers in the house constantly playing soccer, it had to have gotten competitive at points. I'm sure there were fights. I'm sure Mama Hernandez came down into the basement or out onto the field sometimes. It was like, hey, everybody get in the house. We're done. We're done. The game's over. Yeah, there was there was moments and we, we had this little little room we had in our basement uh, that we were actually able to play like little footy tennis and uh, foot volley, all that. And uh, we played and things got intense, but that's normal, like just brother nature and brother yeah. love and yeah, my parents, my parents had us under control for the most part. So uh, nothing got too out of hand. But, you know, those those little brotherly fights. And, <laughs> and then, of course, you have your friends come over and you need to, you need to show up like, oh, I'm, I'm better than my brother. That's, that's, that was all the growing up and stuff. But yeah, no, that, that took care. That, that happened. But. <laughs> oh, man, I, I can't even I can't even imagine what some of those what some of those nights must have looked like playing into all hours of the morning. But. So Westchester Flames, I know you and I have talked a little bit about that club. And then you go on to 
this was the one part I couldn't, I knew we had spoke about it, but I couldn't remember in, you wound up at Chestnut Hill, but I, that wasn't where kind of your initial plan was, if I remember. I, I want to say, yeah. wasn't it Southern Connecticut that you were? Yeah, so so I, I, uh, I had two knee, knee injuries. I tore my meniscus twice my senior, end of junior year and senior year of high school. So mm-hmm. I was kind of, you know, I was at the break of like uh, college soccer probably isn't going to happen. And I was going to go to Central Connecticut just to study. I was going to, I was getting into an athletic training program. I thought that's what I wanted. You know, I was like, oh, I'm going to stay involved with the game and still uh, like do this cool thing of being at games and practices. And so that was, that was where I kind of settled and I, I got accepted there. I, I visited the school. I loved it. And to this day, I always say like Central Connecticut still has, a piece of my heart without even going to one day of class on their campus. <laughs> it was just that. And I loved the school. It was, it was perfectly set up, but I wasn't going to play. Like my, my career was over. That was it. But I just, you know, continued playing with, with Westchester flames through the spring and into the summer of my senior year, just because I loved the game so much. And I had finally recovered and I was like, yeah, let me just keep going. And then around the beginning of June, Right when I was graduating high school, you know, everybody's everything's decided. I'm going to Central Connecticut and I get a phone call probably like it was probably like a solid two, three weeks after high school graduation from my then head coach of Westchester Flames, who's coach Chris Weeks. He was the assistant coach at Manhattan College uh, Division One program in, in New York City. And he was just like, hey, Serge, there's this coach just took over a program in Philadelphia. It's a division two program and he needs a goalkeeper. I know you were kind of set and going to central Connecticut, but I think you should really give it a look. Like, I think you, you, you have a chance here and you can, you can make something out of this. So I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Let me get his contact information. And that's when I, uh, I, when I first started talking to, uh, to coach Zach, who, uh, came, came, I always remember he, he got on a phone call and his First time hearing his heavy accent of a mix hmm. of being from Uganda with this time in South Africa and then Scotland where so it's such a unique accent. You're trying to picture what this dude could be like and you can't really put it together. But I had a nice conversation with him and he came out to either the next game or the game after that I was having. It was out in Long Island and from Philadelphia to Long Island, it's not an easy trip. You catch traffic into the city and he made the trip and he was only able to catch the second half because he was stuck in traffic for hours. But I saw him and he saw me at that game for the first time. And that's where it kind of just clicked. And he was like, come visit the campus and everything. And that was it. From that moment on, I went to campus. I saw Chestnut Hill, gorgeous campus. Loved it. It was obviously me and you know, but small, small school. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the campus, you just see, especially with the time I visited, it was probably late July, early or mid July. And it was, you know, it's still like the, everything was just super flush with the flowers. They take good care of all that stuff. And the, I visited the field, I visited the grass field, which the grass field was looking perfect. I mean, it was looking yeah. <laughs> hard to understand after being there when you go through preseason and stuff. I mean, the grass field looked perfect down there. And I met Joe Cass that day, who was the captain my freshman year, your senior year, one of your, mm-hmm senior teammates and yeah it just it just clicked and I, I I knew I wanted to keep playing I just loved the game too much and 
And that they went from there just one week to the next, I switched schools. I mean, I think I was five, five days to a full week away from putting down a down payment of, of like my first down payment for central Connecticut. I already had my roommates. We had our rooms. We had everything. I was ready to go. And just wow. like that, I switched. Yeah. So it was, it was and a the full, rest is history, as they the say. History, man. The rest is history. You can, you can wow. almost say, you almost say with that phone call with coach, my coach weeks from Westchester flames and then talking to coach Zach flipped me to eventually how I'm here today. Cause I probably would have stopped playing. Yeah, man. I think it's, I think it's one of the most interesting exercises to do because I had a similar situation. I mean, for those who've listened to my podcast before kind of know this, but I, I mean, I guess it was similar in a way, but also different that I went to a division three school right out of high school. I got recruited by a division three school in Massachusetts and, you know, was told all the right things by the coach, you know, come in here, make sure you're fit. I like you. I've talked to your coach. I've watched you play, blah, 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 show up. And there's like 45 dudes there. And he's like, so this is a tryout and I'm picking my best 25 or 27. And lo and behold, I was not in that group. And, you know, three days into me picking the school that I thought I was going to play for four years at, now I'm not playing soccer anymore. And that wasn't really something that I knew was, was going to go down. So then, you know, I waited that whole year. I wasn't playing. I was just working out and playing intramurals here and there. But I was like, oh, man, I just missed the game too much. And I want to get back to get back to playing. So then I went to junior college and found my way again. But like you said, it's interesting to do that kind of thought process of if I had stayed on that course, I wouldn't be here. And like you said, if you had went to central Connecticut, you probably would not be sitting in Portugal right now having this phone call with me. So it's, it's funny to kind of do that and think about, man, what if I had stayed on that path and where would I be today? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. But it's that's life, man. It is. It is. Matters. So take me back a little bit to the the knee injuries because I think it's something that a lot of players go through, and I think there's so many different ways to try and handle something as big as a knee injury. You know, it's some players experience it and they're like, okay, this is this is the end of my career. Some players just go into it and go with a a fierce mentality of this is just a setback and I'm going to come back even stronger. And and some players are kind of in between, you know, they can't figure out how am I going to recover from this? How am I going to get back to the same level? There's a huge amount of time that you're going to be out for too, you know? So especially you dealing with it twice, talk to me about those emotions when you're, when you're getting injured and when you're thinking, how am I going to keep playing soccer? Yeah. So the first time I injured my knee, I was I was on this little bus tour we called it. It was a there was a tour to visit schools, and after visiting the schools, you went and trained, and to get just to get exposure and seen by the coaches. At the end of my junior year of uh, high school, right at that time, the perfect time to try and get recruited for college. And all this is happening. We're going around and trying to get seen by schools and everything, and my knee stretching it's actually a weird story i was stretching and all of a sudden my knee gets locked at like a 90 degree angle just stops i can't straighten it and at this point i'm freaking out 
don't know what's happening. Knee is just stuck in this position. Go to the doctor. It's it's called a bucket handle tear in your meniscus. Kind of your meniscus kind of it was already torn. I didn't know, and it, that torn part flips into in between two bones, and it got stuck there. So every time I tried to straighten out, it was just squeezing against my meniscus, and that's the pain I was feeling, and I couldn't straighten out my leg. I was young. I was so I was. 16 or 17, I can't remember, but I was, I was young. It was, so my emotions were a little raw still. It was like, you know, this could be the end, but then same time I was trying to be as positive as possible. As I tried to do the best with, the, with any situation. I try to be as positive as possible, but it was rough. It was rough. It was, it was tough surgery to get through because the kind of surgery me and my parents thought was the best for me. Your meniscus, when you tear it, you can either, they kind of like shave out the part that's torn and it's a relatively quick recovery for a knee injury, probably like three months. But with the surgery that I had, we tried to repair it. We tried to stitch it together. It's a very difficult surgery and it's a 50% success rate. I was on crutches, zero pressure, like on my knee for, I think, eight weeks. I wasn't allowed to put any any kind of pressure on my knee so it was it was a toll it really it really was physical and a mental toll and once I finally got back it was it was right about the beginning of my senior year of high school for college uh, for uh for our soccer senior senior varsity soccer so I was like all right yeah perfect I could get back into this I'm playing well all this happens right November comes around Senior year, uh, senior season's over. I go and play at a college. I'm going. I'm about to go play at a college showcase. Practice before college showcase. I twist my. I twist to make a save. Cleat gets stuck in the turf. My meniscus re-tears. It wasn't. Oh. It didn't really recover well when they did the surgery. The second time that happened, it mentally mentally got to me. So the first time after my knee surgery, you could say. Physically, I came back not as good a shape, but my men- my mentality to the game was good. Mm. That second time, my mentality went out the window. Like I couldn't, I I couldn't get it all together. We decided at that point once I tore it again, they were like, "We're just going to do the the more common surgery for the meniscus and just get rid of the torn part, and whatever we can salvage from your meniscus, we'll salvage." And so it was a quicker recovery. I came back a little bit more fit, but my mentality was I was nervous going into the games. I was all that. So that kind of messed with me a little bit toward the end of my senior year of high school. Do you feel like you like that mental block for you? Was it did you feel like almost you couldn't trust your body? Like, did you feel nervous kind of in putting pressure on your knee or diving for things? You just you just almost kind of second guess everything that that happens. So like. So like I, I would come out to make a save and if it's a 50-50, it's like, oh my goodness, if I get hurt again, I don't know what I'll do. Something like that. And just it, it took that that second time took a mental toll on me a little bit. But especially that it happened right before probably the last good college showcase I could go to to get recruited to play college soccer. It was kind mm-hmm. of like the last ditch effort. It's one of those like Thanksgiving tournaments. Like yeah. it was one of those. It was right before Thanksgiving. And that one, when I tore it, the moment I tore it, I mean, at practice, the pain was bad, of course, but just the emotion of just knowing 
I knew what happened. Like I knew after it popped, I was like, that's my meniscus. I'm done. And on the field, you know, when you're on the field and you're a senior in high school, you try to be all that big, tough, mean guy, whatever, like try not to show too much emotion. I was bawling, bawling my eyes out because I knew it was done. Like I, and it, it was tough to come back from that. It was tough to come back for sure. But again, the love for the game just brought me back after recovering from the surgery and went on, came back around March for Westchester Flames spring season and went on. And I got, again, lucky where I got to get that phone call by July. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny the way that injuries work. It's funny the way that, you know, career paths work or, you know, athletic careers work and that you just, you never really know kind of what's going to be next. You know, you never know who's going to pick up your phone and you never know, like you said, you wouldn't have predicted you sitting where you are now. You wouldn't have predicted being in Philadelphia, the way that it worked out, especially with the injuries that you had. But for some reason, things fall into place the way that they do. And sometimes we can, you know, try and plan and and think when you had that second injury, oh, this is the end of my career. But lo and behold, maybe somebody upstairs had a, had a bigger plan for you laid out. And, and that's kind of the way that now your soccer career has progressed. And I think, I think I wanted to ask you about something that, you know, we spoke about the mentality of dealing with an injury, but I think even more so there's a, there's a different sort of mentality or a different, a different perspective that a goalkeeper has to have when it comes to playing the game of football, you know, can you speak at all to what you've experienced as a goalkeeper and how maybe it's a little bit more challenging mentally than just being a field player? You know, what do you, do you do mental training? Do you do, are there things that you've learned along your career that you try and implement into your game from a mental side when it comes to goalkeeping? Yeah, so it's it's tough. Obviously, when you coming here too with the people I've been working with, trying to get to teams and and trials and stuff. The big thing is is the goalkeeper is the one spot. Like you can't, you know, if you're if you're a left back and they got a solid left back, it's their captain. Oh, maybe I'll just go to right back or I'll play the left wing. You know. You can move the pieces a little bit. You can you can alter what it, the goalkeeper is just the goalkeeper, you know. And it's it, it makes it tough in a sense of just one being like just being the best that you can be and trying to outbeat another keeper. And then the other thing is we have this thing called the goalkeeper union, which is a very real thing. It's a very real thing in the fact that you'd never wish ill upon another goalkeeper, especially that you're competing with. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, you know, you, you, you want the best of them. And it's funny, like a lot of times when you're on the bench as a goalkeeper and the goalkeeper in front of you makes a mistake, all the eyes on the bench kind of just sway your way and look at you like, like hmm. what what happened or what would you do? And it's just like, no, come on, like you, you push each other. And so that's that's one part of it. But mentally, it's it's tough because you get you get to a point where it's it's easy to blame yourself for, for goals, for, for, for mistakes, which everybody makes a mistake, but a goalkeeper mistake is very costly. It's very rarely a goalkeeper makes a mistake and there's somebody behind him to help him sit, to help save him. So it's, it's tough, but, uh, 
you know, I, I watch I watch as many videos as I can. I you listen to conversations of of other professional goalkeepers of how they've got to places and but I think the biggest advantage I have is one of my older brothers, Fabio, yeah. my oldest brother. He he played he played professionally. He was a goalkeeper and someone I looked up to my my whole entire goal, goalkeeping career because when you have when I'm let me think he was 18 when he left so I was 12 years old when he left home to go play and at 12 years old I'm thinking wow he's a, he's professional I don't really understand the idea of what being a professional is but I know professional he, this is what he does and it's just like something you can look up to and then you know he goes through his whole entire career and someone I could still look up to and now when he comes home, I'm starting my journey of trying to become that professional, which luckily him being home now, before I leave, we had a lot of conversations and I got to talk to him and that talking with other people, especially other goalkeepers is probably the best, best thing that's possible. And I'm lucky that Fabio is, was a goalkeeper and had his whole entire 10 year professional experience to help bounce off information in me and just keep my, keep my mind right when going into my trials here and, and trying to do what I want to do. So was he the inspiration for you growing up in choosing the goalkeeper position? Honestly, when I was little, I was big, chunky, slow kid that didn't want to run. <laughs> and I didn't realize how hard until later in life it is to be a goalkeeper. But when you're little and you don't want to run, it's a good spot to be. But, yeah, eventually I looked up to him and, like, wow, it's a cool position. And, I lo- I, and once I once I tried it once, I was just like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I like this. And his, his he influenced me a bit, but it started off of me being lazy. My, my favorite thing about – I can't remember if it was with you or if it was with – it was probably with Frank. Maybe it was the two of you. Especially Joe Cass always used to – like to pick on Frank and it was one session where we were doing something, I don't know, tough, or maybe it was like not that tough. And you guys came over and you were sweating, like you were drenched in sweat. I think you had a session with Zach or somebody and we, everyone was like, dude, it's just goalkeeper training. Like you're just, you're just rolling around you're catching balls. Like you don't even have to move more than a couple yards. And I can't remember if it was you or Frank just was like, dude, you don't understand, man. It is so hard. It is so much more physically taxing than you think it is. And it's true. Like I've never actually put myself through a goalkeeper session, but I've coached like a handful of goalkeeping sessions. And it is it is tough. It is not, it is a physical workout, the same that doing fitness is, or the same that running is. So now we're at Chestnut Hill. And so you had, as I spoke about at the top, you had a three-year career there. And for you, that first year, I imagine it was just kind of like you were excited to be playing again, right? You know, you thought you had that chance kind of taken away from you in being able to play collegiately or playing higher than uh, high school or club. So once you have that first year where you're, you know, you're just p- happy to be part of the team again and happy to be training and all that stuff. What's kind of then your mindset going into 
year two and year three, because as we said, you know, as a goalkeeper, there's only one. And when you came in, we had our goalkeeper, Frank, and then it was kind of the two of you went back and forth for the remainders of your career. So what was that like for you sort of going into year to year two? Yeah, so after after my freshman year, went back to the same club, Westchester Flames for the summer, did my training and tried to focus on what I could do to get myself better, be faster. But I didn't really, honestly didn't do anything too crazy. I just kind of did kind of did what I had to do. Mentality was like, you know, I think I think I could get there. I think I could get some good minutes this year. And then I want to say yes. Yeah, soft, so sophomore year, right before the season started, Fr- Frank had a really bad injury. Mm. His his lung collapsed. Like he was it was very very bad. So a couple of weeks before the season starts, I get a, I get the phone call from Zach like, "Hey, like Frank is he going to be out for a while? Like he's he's he got and I mean a lung collapse is not no easy thing. That's not an easy thing to get recovered from. So so he let me know like, hey, you got to make sure you're in the right space. You're the right and you know I was I felt good and coming into the season was was uh, I just I felt right. We also had one of the one of the lacrosse players from the school, Mike Haas. Who ended up joining us for the season, and and he played he played soccer his whole entire high school career, and played club and everything. So we still had the competition going, and and he was he was decent. He did he did well, you know. You you go in and you're thinking, oh, this is a this is a lacrosse college player, you know. It is, he doesn't he doesn't and he he was decent. He came in he came in decent. So we still had we still had the security of having more than one goalkeeper. And we were we were all right, but it was it was interesting to come in after year one. You know, year one you get the butterflies. You're not sure what the level's like. You mm-hmm. you think you think it's just you know it's going to be really really crazy and every all of this. You know, you go from high school where high school soccer is you're one of the better players on the team to everybody in college was once one of the better players on the team. So you got you got decent competition and all the butterflies going. But after that, I knew what to expect. I know what to, I knew what to expect coming into year two. And it, I think I thought year two actually might've been my best college season. My sophomore year of college finished the season. It was, we went, we made, to, we made it to playoffs, lost to Wilmington in the playoffs at which I actually played that game. Throughout that season, Frank actually came back and had another injury through the season, so he was in and out of the season. Then came uh, came along junior year, um, and I had I had enjoyed college too much sophomore year, second half of sophomore year. I uh, and uh, I, I let go of myself a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I came back very out of shape junior year, and when when that happened. Frank Frank was there still, and he came back recovered well. But we were still bouncing back and forth a little bit, and we also had we had brought in another goalkeeper, Rob, who was in and out of the mix as well. But yeah, for sure, sophomore year was my best year. And then after after my junior season, I was like, let me get this, let me get straight, right? Like this isn't this isn't who I am. And I just started working out and going hard, and finally got back into the shape I needed to be. And then. The, the our our friend COVID hit, 
and, mm. and that's that's the story. That's it. Yeah, when in doing my research, I saw you started thirteen games twenty eighteen, and then down to three in twenty nineteen. So, you know, I think as we mentioned before, some may look at that and see that that's just okay. That's just a regression played more games than didn't. And obviously there's so much more to it as a goalkeeper than, you know, another field player that can play any position. But as you said, the, the goalkeeper union is something that, you know, unites all the goalkeepers. You never want to ish will, you never are looking for them to slip up so that you can get your opportunity. But have to imagine junior year that's tough when you're in that position sophomore year and you're you know you're playing and your team goes on to the playoffs and then junior year now it's a little bit of a backseat yeah and I think I think it was more of a like reminder to me you can't get comfortable you can't Mm -hmm. you can't just win a spot and think, all right, that's it. Like you've made it. You're good. You're, you're the starter now. No, because somebody's going to be there to work harder than you. Someone's going to be, there's always going to be someone to, to take that spot from you, especially at the goalkeeper's position. And I think that's a lesson I've learned. I learned really well that, that junior year of college and, and I, I carry it with me to, to this day that I need, there's always going to be somebody else there. Somebody is going to be working harder than you, no matter no matter if you're up at 5 a.m., someone's there at 4 a.m. working hard or trying to get better. And and that's what happened. I just got comfortable. And and you cannot get comfortable. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's the perfect it's the perfect advice for any player, a goalkeeper or not, that there's just – I think it's the, the one thing that you can see at the college level especially, but at all levels, you know, the, the pro level and beyond is – there is always something, someone who kind of wants your spot. There's always somebody waiting in the wings for, not necessarily for you in particular to slip up, but if you do, there's somebody that wants to come and snatch that position right out of you because somebody wants to be where you're at. So it's, it is the perfect advice for anyone to understand that there is somebody out there who's working just as hard as you, if not harder. And what I think is so frustrating about your story is that that senior year, you know, after you had the junior season that woke you up a little bit and and shook you, that that senior year was probably when you were primed and and ready to kick off in a major way, and mm. and yeah, as you said, our, our friend COVID <laughs> put a damper in that. Yeah, I mean, so after after junior year ended, I, I started training hard. I mean, I was I was really focused on just being in the best shape of my life, being that guy. And on top of that, after junior year season ended, you have your exit meetings. And at my exit meeting, Coach Zach at, asked me, Sergio, I want, he, he said, I want you to be my captain for the season coming up. Hmm. And he said, make sure you think about it, right? Talk to former players, former captains, and see what you think. If you can handle it, there's going to be a lot of situations that, you know, you're not going to be everybody's friend during the season. People aren't going to like it, the decisions you're going to want to make. And it's a lot more than just wearing the armband during the game. And I took that very, very personally, right? Because that's, that's, it's, it's a very prideful moment for someone to say like, Hey, I, I want you to lead this team. So with that, and then accepting the, 
the the offer of captain mm-hmm. i was like i can't be the one that's lazy i can't be the one that's not fit i have to be there yeah. right when we do fitness tests i can't be last i can't even be middle of the pack i have to be upper pack because i need to set the standard so i accepted it but with that acceptance i just decided like it's it's time for me to work and make sure like we're in the right we're going in the right direction so it was it was all like setting up well like i was really we were doing really really i was doing really well and and spring season had started and we were about to play our first games for the spring season, which obviously it's, it's spring season. They're basically scrimmages, but they still like, we were, we were getting excited and that's when our, uh, our school shut down for COVID and we, everybody got sent home and it, it put a damper for sure of, of the, the direction of, uh, of how I thought my college career would end, you know, but it was, it was definitely, it was, that that moment was very uh, very big for for what I what my soccer future would hold. Um, I think yeah. it was a very important part of of my soccer career. I think the only I think the only solace that a lot of soccer players or a lot of student athletes can take in having that senior season taken away by COVID is the fact that they're not alone in it. You know that there's so many other student athletes who experience the same thing that you had to go through and, you know, some chose to came back, come back and, you know, do a fifth year and some chose to move on because that was just what was best for them in terms of timing. And what would you, what would I guess you say to a student athlete who had that happen to them, you know, had that moment that they had worked for all their lives really for that big senior year, what would you kind of say to them to, you know, maybe if it's advice, if they're still struggling with the fact that that was ripped away from them or, you know, how would you kind of put that into words, what you were going through? That's, that's a tough, tough question to answer. I think, you know, for that player, it's, it's decide whether, you know, football, or soccer is is it's how much does that that sport mean to you but at the same time find a way to make peace with it find a way to make peace with with it being taken away so suddenly and i mean for my example my finding way piece of it being taken taken away so suddenly is i can't stop i can't stop now you know, I think if I had that that closure of oh, it was your final season and you did so well, everything was good. I I don't know if I would have kept going after you know. So it was it for me. It's it's you need to find a way to make peace with it. Whether it's you go on to continue to play at a at a, you know amateur level of whatever whatever amateur level that is, how high it is to USL League Two to to I don't know or or you you continue to coaching or or if you find peace with hey like that was it like my career was good and and college is over you know Mm. but i think it's important to take the time to find peace with a situation so hard like that and and knowing that you aren't the only one going through that like you said there is so many so many student athletes that have just been destroyed from from this situation so i think i think that's the big big message is just find a way to make peace with something like that being ripped away from you. 
Yeah, because as you said, as we both said, that you're not alone in it. And the unfortunate reality is it's not something that we can control. It's We couldn't have controlled, you know, a pandemic hitting the world the way that it did. You know, if if we had, if someone, if a student athlete had gone into their senior season, they know they didn't prepare the best, then, okay, that's that's one thing. But no one could have prepared for what ensued. But I... Obviously, having you on the podcast, for those who are listening out there, know that Serge is my guy. And the reason why Serge is my guy, well, there's a lot of reasons why Serge is my guy, but he was someone I took under my wing a little bit while I was in school, and I loved having him on the team. He was a great part of the team. And the reason why I love your story and why I wanted not just to have you on the podcast, just to chat, but also to talk about there, I feel like there was a there was a moment shift kind of with you. I remember having a conversation. I don't remember what year it was for you, probably your sophomore year, where because you majored in exercise science, I believe, right? Yeah. So, and we had had a conversation. You were like, "Yeah, you know, I think I want to go into the physical education route, go back to my hometown. I want to be a PE teacher. I want to coach soccer, all that stuff." And me being your friend. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, me loving you. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. But part of me was like, I feel like, oh, there's just, there's something missing about that. Like he, he's would be a fantastic PE teacher and a coach. You still may go on to do that one day. But I was like, I know that there's a little something inside. There's a little fire burning within him. And then one day, I think it was closer then to your going into your senior year when then COVID happened and you were like, oh yeah, I'm trying to play. I'm talking to teams over in Portugal. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm talking to my brother a little bit. I was like, yes, this is what I thought was underneath there. This was the fire that I was talking about from Surge. So maybe, you know, we can just chalk it up to COVID taking away that senior season for you is what ignited that. Is that what you would say? Or was there also kind of Maybe a little bit of, even if I had played that senior season, I may still be sitting over here in Portugal doing this interview. So I think there's a, a big mix of a bunch of different things that helped me get to here. But I think the real, I think and I say it sometimes and it's kind of a bad way to say it. Never want a pandemic ever to happen again. But COVID almost saved my football and career, my soccer career in a weird way. I remember the moment till the day I died that I was, I was like the, like the light just switched. It was me and my younger brother, Alessio, who he plays at Iona college now. And we were, we had both come home because of the pandemic and it was probably April. And we were both in New York where like lockdown was serious. Like we weren't leaving. We weren't going anywhere. We both went to a field. It's probably April or May. We went to a, a grass field close to our close to our house, which we knew nobody would be at. And we just wanted to, you know, do a light training, ping some balls around. When I tell you I couldn't hit a ten yard pass, I couldn't hit a ten yard pass. Like, like I tried to play him a ball, and it was like five yards to his right, five yards to his left, over his head. Like, and I just broke down. I was like. I was like, what, what's going on? Like, like, I, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like I can't kick a ball. And it was just, I, I tears in my eyes yelling at my brother. Like, why is this happening? Like, 
breaking down, like full on breakdown. It was like, I was like, Alessio, this is my, this is my senior year being taken away from me. Like I'm never going to play soccer again. Like this is it. And I'm probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. And I can't even kick a ball anymore. Like everything was going against me. And he just looked at me and he was like, why not? Like, like, so yeah, this is tough right now, but like, why, why can't you play? Like, and, and I was like, dude, it's just, everything isn't happening right now. It's tough. And he's just like, just why not? Like, you know, that's what you want to do. And I was like, yeah, like you're right. And, and it's weird. Your younger brother giving you this advice, you know, like some, <laughs> you probably should give any advice to him. I was like, well, just why not? And, and I was like, you, you know, you're right. Like, I just need to work hard and everything like that. And, and, just day by day we just trained more trained more and and i went on on went on runs just because we were bored at that point during covid but it, we just went on runs and you know and it, it it just kind of clicked then like everything became very clear like all that phys ed and and wanting to be a soccer coach while being phys ed and, and all this was it was just like everybody knows me back home it's just like you know the safe, comfortable guy went to school, was going to come home, start start his nine to five job, have a family, you know, white picket fence, all that. And and I kind of almost just comfortably fitting into that role. But I knew, like, I always knew in the back of my head, like, what I truly wanted. And that day where I couldn't kick a ball and just having that conversation and breaking down at the field was the day, like, it just clicked like everything clicked and i decided to work and work and and that's that's how it all unfolded so yeah there's a bunch of different things but covid was a very big part of me Mm. wanting to continue i wonder how many amazing ideas or inventions or projects have all just started with the question of why not because sometimes it's it's just the perfect way to encapsulate, you know, a feeling or an idea. Like, yeah. why not? Give it a go. What the hell? What's the worst that could happen? You know yeah. what I mean? And I think your brother saying that to you at that time was the perfect thing that you needed to hear because you started to think about it. You're like, huh, can't really come up with a good reason of why not. Yeah. You know, he's got, a, he's got a point there. <laughs> so then you kind of had the option of, you know, for those who lost that senior season to COVID, you could have came back for the following fall. What made your decision to be like, all right, you know, I, I did, I did lose my college season, but I'm still supposed to graduate and I, and I don't necessarily want to come back to school again. Yeah. One was, I was, I, I finished my studies. Like I, I was done. And to be at Chestnut Hill again, I would almost need to like find a a random grad program that I was never going to use and try and just get those credits and play one more season. It just didn't make sense to me. And Mm -hmm. financially too, like that's just, it could could become a lot. So it just, it just didn't make sense to me. And then also in the back of my mind is, Hey, if I really want to kickstart this, this career, in America, it's normal that you go to college and then you start a professional career at 23, 24 years old. 
I'm already like six years, seven years behind everybody in Europe. Like mm-hmm. these guys start at 16, 17, 18 years old to start this professional career. So I knew I studied what I wanted to study. I have that still and that I can use. And I didn't waste time in a, a graduate program that I probably didn't even want to be in. And I could kickstart right away what I want to do and, and play catch up almost. And, and that kind of was just my decision-making. Like it just, everything else made sense. Like that all, all that together just made it make sense that, Hey, this is where it has to end with college soccer and chestnut. So help me connect the dots between making that decision. Okay. I'm done with school to, you know, as we said before, now you're doing an interview in Portugal, you know, kind of fill me in a little bit on what some of those next few months look like. Yeah. So we were so actually fall, the fall season that COVID of COVID. So fall 2020, mm-hmm. the CACC had a season. There was, we had coach Zach leave the team or the coaching change between coaching change, COVID happening, uh, new coach kind of arriving late with the with the with the announcement of the new coach and everything gave him very very little time to try and recruit anybody for this next season and then just the pure fear of being with a group of people during COVID having mm. other student athletes drop out of the team we were left with about fifteen guys including two goalkeepers in the group and we tried to make it happen but. We just, the numbers didn't add up and we had one red card, one injury and the next game we couldn't even play with a full 11. So they had to cancel our season. I was, I was actually preparing for the season with this new coach and everything we were talking and, and, uh, we got, we, we had a meeting probably like a week before we were start, supposed to start our preseason with the, the, uh, athletic director, Jesse and the new coach, coach Ock. Uh, with all the guys and he was at we all were there and he was just guys this season can't happen we tried our most our we tried our best and uh, tried to get everything together and it just doesn't make sense we pushed and pushed for you guys but we're sorry it can't happen and that's when everything kind of just I, I kind of sank there like I had a little I had a little moment of like oh this might this might this college season might happen I might actually have a senior year and then that announcement happened and everything just kind of just like landed on me like oh my goodness like that's it and I just for a moment thought for a while and was like what's gonna happen everything and then I spent a little time coaching with uh, PA Rush and during coaching I just kept training and and uh, I was talking to some people I talked to my brother he played in Costa Rica for a little bit and we were seeing if I could get to Costa Rica one guy was talking about maybe Guatemala but I, we were, that was a very very uh, iffy if the uh, connection there, I didn't know how, how well that was going to go out. And then coach Zach, lo and behold, comes back to uh, try and save my career again. He, he, we always talk, me and coach Zach have a very good relationship. And he was texting me like, Hey, like you're really serious about this, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I'm training all the time and I want to do this. And he was like, Hey, I know this guy, very good friends with him, Kalu Dos Santos. And he's, he, he has this program where he sends people to Portugal. Let's take a break to talk about support for the In the 11 podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. 
who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 11 at manscaped.com. Now, if my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. Now, listen, here's the deal, gentlemen. The Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Now, I know we got a lot of ballers out here, right? We got a lot of coaches out here. A lot of you, I know in your sessions, in your games, you're constantly saying, you got to take care of the ball, but you're not taking care of your own. It's crazy. It's it's wild, and we got to change that here, and Manscaped's going to help you do that. So, first off, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0, and it is the future of men's below-the-waist grooming, and that is because... Of their advanced skin safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof. It has a 400k LED spotlight. So no more going blind in the bathroom, getting hair all over the floor, right? Pop in the shower. You've got the light as well. Easy. And you're done. On to the next one. Now, same goes for that weed whacker, the Manscaped weed whacker for your ear and nose hair trimming necessities. You've got the proprietary skin safe technology, which is going to help reduce with nicks snags, and tugs in those delicate, sensitive areas. Now, last but not least, we can't forget about the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner. A lot of you guys, I know you've got a routine with your recovery, right? You've got pre-game rituals, you've got post-game rituals, a recovery routine that you do after, right? Hop in an ice bath, whatever it is, you have to add your below-the-waist care to that. You've got to take care of your balls, gentlemen. You don't want to be playing 90 minutes, and then you come in, and you're sweaty and disgusting, and you're not taking care of yourself. you got you got to do it. And Manscaped, like I said, is here to help you in that department. And who knows? Maybe that special someone that's in your life coming to the game, watching you play, you know, you play a good 90 minutes, maybe you bag a goal. I don't know. You want to be ready. You want to be prepared. You don't want to be in a situation where you are left without Manscaped. Now, just because Manscaped is hooking you up and they want to take care of you, the Performance Package 4.0 has a couple of goodies thrown in there. They've got the Manscaped boxer briefs and they threw in a little carry-on bag just to travel with all of your Manscaped products, whether you're going for an away game, right? It's a road trip, you're in a plane, whatever. Chuck all your Manscaped products in there. You don't have to think about it. You can forget about it and make sure that you're still taken care of. So it is time, gentlemen, because your balls will thank you. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off with free shipping using the code 11. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code 11, E-L-E-V-E-N, at manscaped.com. That is 20 whole percent off of your order. 20% off your order with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code 11, unlock your confidence, and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. With the hopes of getting them into professional contracts and everything like that. And he he gave a a brief explanation of what it was. I was like, put me in contact. I'm 100% about it. Let's do it. Um, Started talking to Kalu, and that was it. Like, So leading up to, to this moment of getting here, I was finishing up working with PA rush at the same time, every morning I was training with coach Zach again, which is kind of like a, a weird way to finish the circle up, even though he wasn't supposed to end my college career. Cause he had left the school. He somehow mm-hmm. still ended up finishing my college career. Cause I ended up training with him every single morning. It was like six in the morning 
every morning, me and Coach Zach, because he had work, I had class. So we'd be at the field 6 a.m., be done by 7.15, 7.30. I'd run home, shower, get on class. It was all Zoom online, so that's how I was able to be work to work, and I was at class at 8 a.m. And we trained every day. May came around. I came home to New York, trained with my older brother, Fabio, who, again, helping me out like crazy. Trained with him nearly every day with a, a good group of guys of college and soon-to-be professionals and, and, and built up to the moment of it's mid-July and I'm leaving to Portugal with this connection with Kalu. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. And so when you land in Portugal, you traveled with a few teams, correct? When you yeah, first like when you first got there, you started training a little bit. I know you mentioned with Kalu and some of the guys who were over there, and then you started going on trial pretty much right away, right? Yeah, so what what ended up happening was there's a group there's just there's a group of Americans that so there's a group that Kalu's connected to, another group from Texas that has a connection with these same guys. They're Ruben and Pedro, the two guys that work here. And they still help us out to, to this day. And we'd go and we would train every day with them. It was a group of Americans and us training every day with them and then going out to two different small clubs to get on trial. I had trialed with probably like two or three, nothing too crazy. The first two wanted me right away. and. They advised me to stay with one, and then with some some other issues, I went to another team, and that was it. Like we just trained and and went on preseason with these teams, went to preseason games, and they saw us in game, and they saw us in practice, and they all they all loved me, and and all the all the Americans did de- uh, a decent job getting into these teams, and yeah, that was it. I I landed here. We landed in Lisbon for some reason, and had to drive up to Porto. And I live, I live right up around Porto, just past Porto, 30 minutes north, and, and trialed with a bunch of clubs up here. What was the, the first trial process like for you, walking into that first team over in Portugal? Well, you know, walk me through that. So it was kind of strange. We landed on our drive up to this town I live in called Barcelos. It's about a four hour drive and we're like an hour in and the guy that's driving us gets a phone call and turns to us and says, Hey guys, tomorrow, one of the teams you guys could trial for wants you guys to play in a scrimmage. Are you okay with that? And we're, I mean, we're exhausted. It was a long oh flight, God, yeah. long drive. We're squeezed in a small car and, and he's like, you guys could trial tomorrow more. Like you guys could be in, in a game tomorrow. And we were all of us just like, yeah, let's do it. Whatever. So like we just hop into a scrimmage with, with these guys we don't know. And, and we hard time com- having conversations with them because we're all new to the country and, and it, it went fairly well. But then when you go on these, you know, the trials were just, you know, just kind of in practice, you know, you're just going practice and, and you have a hard time at first understanding the language a little bit, but once you're playing, you're playing. Like every, the ball is round in every country, you know. So, mm. so it 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 starts making sense. And we, I went out into the trials just to go enjoy myself, and not knowing what to expect from the level too. And I think one of the biggest things since being here is my confidence has grown. 
because <clears throat> I like I realized like hey like I'm decent with these guys like I can I can play with these guys like with I'm comfortable playing with these guys too like like this is I can do this here so so it, it, it was definitely the first couple of trials were cool to experience and 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 help grow confidence. Yeah, it's one of the best feelings to go into a trial or, or, you know, training with a new team. And especially if it's at maybe a higher level or you don't know what the level is yet to get in and be like, oh, okay, I, I fit here. I can either, you know, excel here or this is where I'm at right now. I think it's one of the best feelings, especially for an American going overseas to Europe. You know, we kind of don't have a concept of what all the levels are. You know, I think for me as myself, I, I obviously I look at the Premier League and I'm like, all right, I can't I can't go shoulder to shoulder with De Bruyne. You know what I mean? But yeah. at the same time, I don't fully know. You know, what is my level? Where would I fit into the pyramid of you know a Portugal, a Germany, uh, Spain, something like that? So that's a it's a cool experience to have that when you walk into a training. Yeah, and 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 it's it's interesting, just like you know the the different theories to, to soccer and, and the styles and and it's it's cool to see just how different it is from just how we understand soccer in the US. You know, it's 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 a cool experience for sure. Besides your confidence growing, what else do you feel like you've learned in Portugal so far? <clears throat> so again, the styles being different it includes how goalkeepers train. A lot of the goalkeeper trainings at home and at and at, you know, each, each goalkeeper coach has their own style and every country has kind of their own style. And what I, what I explained to the goalkeeper coach over here was being in America, you have goalkeeper coaches from all over the world that do all a bunch of different things, which can be a good and a bad thing. You get to see everything, but then you don't have quite a style to pick from. You're kind of getting stuck in between techniques. Over here, the techniques are very, they're very, what they do, their goalkeeper trainings are very technical. Mm -hmm. They'll do short bursts of high intensity, but they give you that rest. Like in between sets, you're walking and you're catching your breath and and then you go high intensity, rest, high intensity, rest, very technical movements, different ways of catching the ball, scoops and everything, super different. And I've had to, what I think I've learned is if I'm going to try and make it here and play here, I got to make sure like, I'm using their techniques. Like that's my mentality of it. Make sure I can perfect their techniques because that's what the goalkeeper coaches are going to be looking for at a club that's bigger and wants to recruit me. I've been I've been working with the goalkeeper coach here on you know the way they scoop the ball is a little different than what I do in the U.S. and I've gotten a lot better and changed it. And now you know just uh, little things of like how far out I have my arms and having my elbows slightly bent and when I go to catch the ball and how low or how high I'm standing when I set, you know, those, those little things. I think that those are the little adjustments I've made uh, since being here and trying to fit their style a little better. Yeah. Yeah. You make such an interesting point that I think is really important to players that want to go and play overseas that want to, or play in a new market that they have to adapt to that style. You know, they have to, yeah, you have to adapt to the culture and you have to fit a way that that coach wants to play. You know, it was a big thing for me in when I was playing in Germany. I played with a, for a coach and in a style that 
kind of suited me a little bit better where they wanted to keep the ball and they wanted to move it and they wanted to keep it on the ground. And then I've played in teams now in the States or in Denmark where they wanted to be a little bit more direct and they wanted as the fullbacks get it to try and put it in behind. And that, like there was growing pains with me in that. Cause I was like, Oh, that's not the way that I want to play. You know, that's not necessarily the technique that I want to use. As you mentioned at first, when you're in Portugal, that might not be the technique that you are want to use or are accustomed to. But it's so important for players to, you know, yes, you want to bring your own style, your own flair to the game, but you can't go to Portugal and play like an American because they're going to yeah. be like, dude, this this ain't the way we do it around here. Yeah. So yeah. you can either try and play with us or you can do your own thing, but you might not be on the team with us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's it was a interesting adjustment to make, and and you know I. I think I've done it pretty fluidly and, and I feel, I feel comfortable. I feel, I feel good at where, where I'm at with their, their techniques and their style. And with a little bit of time now being here, it's, I've, I think I've grown accustomed uh, to how they, they want to do things. Good. Now, obviously the last piece of that puzzle is getting that paperwork through so that we can actually put a real yeah. Jersey on and, and suit up. What, uh, What's going on in that department? Yeah, so again, with these smaller clubs, when we were first in it, brought into the country, we work with smaller clubs, right? I'm, I'm technically at still an amateur club. At the end of the day, it's it's not a it's not a technical professional team yet, and with that happening, is these clubs don't know how to work with international uh, players, international paperwork they struggle with. And and things happen, you know. Uh, complication happened with the the first team I was with. I switched clubs, and and with that switch of clubs, the it, some of the paperwork had to go happen a little faster. We had almost everything done correctly, and it was just one little thing that, uh, based off of the technicality, that wasn't correct, means I can't play, right? And 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 I missed the tran- the the signing deadline and. And it, it it's a moment of uh, making sure you can stay resilient and being and being focused. And it was frustrating for sure, but you know it, it, it happens, and that's and that's part of that's part of football. You know, that's part of soccer, the the business of it that us as players have very little control over. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's word of advice to any player who goes to a new country especially if you're playing, as you mentioned, with a lower level club, uh, an amateur level club, semi-professional, stay on top of the club for paperwork stuff. You know, constantly be checking. Do you have this? Do you need anything? How is it going? Where are we at in the process? Because some clubs are fantastic about it and some are not so great about it and some have no idea how to do it. So you have to stay on top of those things. And it's something that you know, I mentioned to you at the top, we don't, as players, we don't always know. Yeah. And, and just in the case of, of us right now is the time we came to Portugal, they have this, it's their time of vacation. So nobody's working. Mm. And that kind of translates to these amateur clubs and their, and their presidents, vice presidents, people that do all the paperwork, they're on vacation. They're, they're not, you know, they're not too worried about doing anything. Oh, we'll get it done. We'll get it done with the, I'll be back in like two weeks from vacations. I'll be back in a week. And, 
and you know, and then that's just that's just the um, the this one or two pieces you miss from that amateur to professional level. It's you know, it's it's everything super relaxed and and you know it 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 happened and 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 I'll tell you, man, the first first two weeks and of of me continuing to go to practice and knowing I can't play, I I can't tell you how frustrated I was. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to, you know, there was moments of just like, man, like what, why do you even want me here right now? Like, and you almost feel like just a piece of someone they can use to help in the trainings, but don't quite feel in it yet. But yeah, it, I grew past it and um, I'm training well and, and, you know, and, and that day's coming, you know, January 1st, the, the signing day opens again, I can sign. And what I'm guaranteed now is all the paperwork is set up perfectly where they just need to click one button and it's through and my paperwork is done where I can play January 9th, the next game. I think it's the hardest thing for players to, you know, cause when you went over to Portugal, you knew this wasn't going to be easy, right? Like, you always knew that, but then when you're actually in the moments where the adversity starts hitting and hard things start happening, it's always so hard to remember that moment where you were like, well, I knew it was going to be hard. You know, uh, I had the same thing when I was in Denmark, like I spoke to you about, I had same paperwork issue. I couldn't play for the first few weeks. And these are the types of things that people try and prepare you for by saying, it's not going to be easy, man. It's, it's going to be tough. But then you're in it and you're like, Oh, what the hell? Like, why can't I play? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? It's, it's so hard. It, it really is. Yeah. And it, it's, it, you think people say it's not going to be easy and you're thinking, Oh yeah, I know training's going to be hard. We're going to push ourselves. We're going to do a lot of workouts and, and then, Oh, that's the easy stuff there. That's, that's what's easy. What's hard is, is the business that you the business part and the, and the negotiations that you have no control over and, and then you get, need to be mentally tough of, you know, you can't play, but you need to be professional and not and not do anything in training that doesn't make sense or or you, you start acting up in training and not performing it at the right level. And that's the tough part. You know, that's the tough part of staying focused and staying professional and in an environment where you have very little control over it. Yeah, I'm so happy that you said that because it's something I've mentioned time and time again here. The training is the easy part. People think when they say, oh, it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard work. Yeah, you're going to have to physically work hard in training, but that's the easy part of it, really, in the, in the big picture of the equation. Like you said, finding a club, making sure everything goes smooth, getting the negotiations done, finding a place to live, finding a visa. Find, like the, That list is the much tougher list, and it's a lot longer than just going to the field and putting in work for an hour and a half or two hours every day. Yeah. And, and people sometimes have it a little bit skewed. They're just like, oh, I just need to work hard on the field. It's like, yes, but also all these other things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So January 1, that's the date that we're looking for. We're looking Is for that when you're coming back to Portugal as well? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll be actually January 3rd. I'll be back here. Um, we don't have training until January fourth. These guys like to take a little a little break for uh, for the new year and uh, and Christmas and whatnot. So I uh, I actually do kind of get the the little luxury and bonus of being able to to go home for to visit the family right before uh, starting up again. Good, good. And then 
we spoke about a little bit too before we hopped on air. This is a we're in a promotion fight for the second half of the year, correct? Yeah, man. We uh, we we're we're playing we're playing well. Of course, we're a little thin because uh, on numbers with the signing issues we've had and uh, injuries and. But we're yeah we're doing well. We're second place, two points back with a game in hand. So we win that game in hand, and and we're right up there. And top spot gets promotion. Nobody else does. So it's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun, and it's definitely a new experience for me too. Being American, we've never I've never been in a promotion promotion battle. You know, it's been your champion, but that's about it. And uh, yeah, so it's gonna be a new experience for sure. And uh, the team looks good. You know, we have we have some guys that have experience at this level, being promoted to the year uh, the year, being promoted to the level higher and even mm-hmm. two levels higher and they've been on teams that have won uh, district cups and, and uh, you know, so we have good experienced guys with a mix of guys that are, are young and, and, and have quality and are athletic. So we have a good mix uh, and a coach that knows how to balance everybody out with uh, he's a younger coach, but he, he, he knows how to balance the experience and, and the, and the quality technical technicality and uh, physicality of the, of the younger guys. It's a, uh, it's, it's everything's been positive so far with the team, of course. Good. The signing stuff, but yeah, <laughs> that one minor detail. <laughs> Do you feel like now that you've been here a little bit, you've trained a little bit, you've seen the country, the culture, the people, the football? Is this a place that you could, you know, maybe make home for a little bit and try and make carve your way in this career? Yeah, I think I think it's a, a very important place for me to to get to get some time in and if I can be here for, for a solid four, four years, get my, get myself higher, higher level. Um, hopefully, you know, one day, you know, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I always, I always think of all these things, you know, and, and uh, set my dreams up as my goals now. And, you know, if I can get to that third, second division and that's where, that's where people are getting seen. Uh, Portugal is one of the biggest ex- exporting countries of, of players that people from all over the world are looking at players in Portugal. And it's a, a good place to get seen to to maybe potentially get uh who even knows you get a, a, a big money contract eventually but right now it's all about the football you know and 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 the next four or five years i could see myself here trying to really get that good good team and and uh you know and, I, and I'm, I'm loving the culture around football, uh, soccer here i love the, the culture people just enjoy going on the weekends all the local people going to their local clubs and and all the local there's local cafes connected to the stadiums and people spend hours at the stadiums eating and drinking and talking and watching the games. And, you know, it's a very big part of their, of their lives. Every, every week they just wait till the weekend to watch these guys play. And it's, it's exciting. And it's exciting to be one of those players inside that field. And, and I enjoy being part of that and, and it makes it easy to want to stay. Yeah. So this will be this podcast will be an important moment because we'll have to do check-ins, you know, at the, at the end of the season, a year, two years down the road, and then we'll think back to this moment when just waiting for that amateur uh, deal to go through, and then all of a sudden, boom, two, three years later, we just signed we just signed the big one for the big money contract. Yeah. So the the money won't be here, that's for sure. But <laughs> the experiences are the experiences are big. Yeah. People, people here, you know, they, 
it gets competitive here for that reason of, of getting the exposure to other countries. And with that competitiveness and everybody wanting to be in this market of the second, third division, the clubs mm-hmm. find ways of not needing to pay players so much. So because it's gotcha. just such a the mar- if if you don't want to sign with that money, they can sign somebody just as good or better with that money or less. So so the the, the money won't be here, but it's going to be great experience for sure. Uh, and I've, I've said like these these next years, as important money is, it's that's not what this is about. You know, it's about being the best player I can be and 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 get to that next level of of uh, of soccer as a player that I. I think I, and I know I can be. Mm. Have you started to, obviously you have other Americans with you that you mentioned that are on a similar goal to yours. Have you started to see some of those players from around the world flocking to this country to, you know, try and do a similar thing to you, try and make a name for themselves and maybe move up in the leagues or move on to different markets? Yeah. So we have a couple, there's a, we're like one group of Americans that have come through. There's been one or two other groups that have come through the same people that I'm working with. There's a guy in the second division right now with the guys that I work with started off at the same club that I started off with. You know, there's uh, one shocking guy that people don't realize went through this guy. Uh, These guys that I'm working with played fourth division, which is amateur over here, made it to the second division. And now, played with Benfica and now is in MLS, Keaton Parks. Wow. FC. He went went through the same guys that I'm with. So, you know, know there's that, that, yeah. And that connection, it's there, you know, it's, it's possible. So, so uh, with these, these guys, you know, they're, they're setting up, they're setting up themselves with a a decent track record. and, And you're seeing like, you could get the right Americans over here and the right guys with the right mentality. And, 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 People will people will get to that next level and get that good contract. And if you look at a guy like Keaton Parks right now, he's he's a he's a vital part in your TFC and who they are. And you know, and he and he was a big he was a big deal. He went to Benfica, which was a big deal for any American. You know, Benfica is just a global club. They're they're massive. So mm. yeah, yeah, you, you'll see it. It, it. it could happen with a there's a good. Good talented guys. My roommate that I live with, he's 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 a good good guy. And what's funny is he's a he's the striker on my team, and I'm the goalkeeper. So, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, it's 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 all been good. Yeah, because Americans are kind of like the hot new toy in the in the football market right now. Everybody wants to get themselves an American. Yeah, the, the talent's there, man. We have the talent in our country. But I tried to explain that to these guys here and. It's a little hard with the language barrier. I mean, they, they there's again. I said to you uh, off air that you know the English. A lot of people do speak English here, but trying to explain just the American, the American game, and the the reasons why Americans, in my opinion, have have struggled up to this point, or you know, and and understanding just the mentality of the game in America compared to here, and, and it's it's tough for them to understand. But you know, there's there's the talent is there in the U.S. for sure. Well, man, this has been fun, Serge. I'm happy to have you on here and share a little bit of your story. And we will be looking forward to that January one day. Yeah, man. We can see you playing a little bit. Counting down, counting down the minute, man. Counting down to the minute. But uh, yeah, I, it's always good to talk to you. And like I said earlier, good to see you face to face, even though it's on camera. I haven't seen 
seen you in a while. We've talked and phone calls, text and everything, but seeing your face again. Good, 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 pretty boy over here to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think we were saying it's probably been since February, maybe 2020, something like that. I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe yeah, before it's been that. A while. It's been a while. It's been a while, but it is, it is very good to see you. Thanks for being in the 11 today. Everyone who listened, I hope that you gained a little bit of value off of this today. You know, a player who is trying to do what a lot of those that are listening out there have aspirations of, you know, going to a new market and, and trying to do something a little bit outside the box. But we always appreciate those that step in with us for a week and, and share their stories and share their journey. So, Serge, thanks again, my friend. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much to... Sergio, again, for popping on the podcast this week and being in the 11 with us, sharing his story, sharing his journey. It's always great to hear footballers from all different stages in their career, all different places around the world, and all different backgrounds, how they got to the point that they're at now. So once again, thank you to Serge. 